the Bible as we have it is a translation of many, many different manuscripts that are found and compared with each other. In the earliest manuscripts, the Lord's Prayer ends with verse 13. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In the later manuscripts, that is followed by the doxology that we will talk about next week. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That may seem like a small matter unless you are at a Roman Catholic funeral or wedding or worship service and you find yourself saying the Lord's Prayer and suddenly, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and you are the only one saying in a quiet congregation, for thine is the kingdom and the power. And then you stop. The word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. Many of us are like the little child who has been prohibited from eating cookies out of the cookie jar, and his mother comes and catches him in the act, and he says, Oh, Mom, I'm so sorry. I just opened the lid to smell, and my tooth got caught. Well, you got caught too, it seems. Temptation. Temptation is one of those realities of life that sometimes we speak of. Temptation has actually been in the news recently as the Roman Catholic Church has changed the official liturgy of the English translation of the Lord's Prayer. Do not let us fall into temptation is the new Roman Catholic wording that is now an option for Catholic congregations that worship in English to use. The reason is because the idea that God would lead us into temptation is problematic in some ways for men and women, and yet... Here we are in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says, Do not bring us to the time of trial. Lead us not into temptation. And two chapters earlier, we see that Jesus himself has gone out into the desert. Jesus was led up by the Spirit, the Scripture said, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. I love numbers. Numbers are often significant in the Bible. The number 12 is significant. There are 12 tribes in Israel. There are 12 disciples of Jesus. The number 40 is often significant. There are 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and there are 40 days of prayer and fasting that Jesus goes through. The number 40 is a number of completeness. Jesus was tested for 40 days and 40 nights means that Jesus was thoroughly and completely tested. 
The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years means that they wandered and wandered and wandered until they could wander no more. So Jesus being led up by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights means that Jesus was completely and utterly tested and emerged without sin. So here, two chapters later, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he teaches them, do not bring us to the time of trial. Lead us not into temptation. Part of that is the reality that you and I are not Jesus. And Jesus can be purely and thoroughly and completely tempted and remain without sin, but you and I are far less consistent in our rejection of sin and our embracing of truth and righteousness. And so from a purely statistical standpoint, if I am faced with the possibility of sin and there's a 50% chance that I'll come out Well, if I am faced with the possibility of sin a second time and there's a 50% chance that I'll come out, there's only a 25% chance that I will, in each of those cases, say yes to righteousness and no to sin. And for those of you who are mathematically inclined, if 50% is the number, then 0.5 to the fifth power is what it would be if we were tested five times, 0.5 to the 1,000th power. Lead us not into temptation. Why? Because you, O Lord, you are the only one who can fully and thoroughly and completely be tested without sin. At the end of Mark's Gospel... I'm sorry, Matthew's gospel. At the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he is praying with his disciples and he wants his disciples to pray with him. And they sleep and he finds them and he wakes them up and he says, Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial, the time of temptation. Pray. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. A side note, I was wandering around Jerusalem one day, all alone, which is not necessarily something that one is encouraged to do, and I walked up to the Garden of Gethsemane, and I wanted to go in, but the Garden of Gethsemane was closed. There was a man sitting in a chair just outside the gate to the Garden of Gethsemane. I went up and I said, what time does the garden open? He says, two o'clock. I looked down at my watch, it was 1.30, I've got an hour and a half or so to, to occupy. He said, the garden is closed, but you can still get in. I didn't understand what he meant, and I ended up paying a bribe in order to get into the Garden of Gethsemane. And somehow, you know how these transactions go, you've seen them on television, I ended up producing my wallet, and he ended up taking everything out of it. And before I knew what had happened, I was inside the Garden of Gethsemane trying to pray, but I was so angry at what had just transpired that I couldn't even enjoy the moment of being in the Garden. Jesus is there. He said, pray that you may not come to the time of trial. Pray that you would not come to the temptation. 
And so we pray, lead us not into temptation. Because we know our own faults and our failings, and God knows those too. He remembers how we were made, that we are but dust. A bruised reed he will not break, a dimly burning wick he will not quench. God knows how we were made, and our prayer that is offered to us by the Lord himself is, lead us not into temptation, do not bring us to the time of trial. No matter where we are or who we are, we're going to face temptation. A man wanted to be a hermit. And so he decided that in order to get rid of all sin in his life, he would live in a cave. And as he went to live in a cave, he, he took a loaf of bread and a jug of water. And not long after he entered the cave, he tripped over a rock and dumped out all of his water. And it was a long way to the well, and he got angry at himself for what he had done, and he soon discovered that the devil could get to him in a cave as quickly as the devil could get to him in society, and so he thought he might as well go back and face the trials of ordinary life. No matter who you are or where you are, you face temptation. And temptation means that there is someone... There is something that wants less for you than God wants for you. There is some way that God wants you to embrace his life that by saying no, you will not hold the life that God so desperately wants you to have. Rich Mullins, the Christian musician and songwriter who died prematurely in 1997 at only 41 years of age, once confessed at a concert that he struggled. He struggled in a very personal way while he was traveling alone. And one of his spiritual mentors said, well, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It just means that you shouldn't travel alone. And so... When he went to Amsterdam, shortly after that, Rich Mullins took a friend along. His hotel was near a famous red light district, and Mullins says that he was hoping his friend would fall fast asleep and start snoring. Rich Mullins said, I thought maybe it would be fun to just take a walk and be tempted. And he waited until five in the morning, and his friend had still not started snoring, and he never did. So Rich Mullins pulled out a notebook and wrote the words to one of his most popular songs. So hold me, Jesus. I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? No one knows, C.S. Lewis says, how bad he is until he has tried to be really good. Lewis writes, a silly idea is current that good people don't know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting it, not by giving up. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. This is why bad people, Lewis says, know very little about badness. They've lived a sheltered life by always giving in. 
we never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And so, the Lord, our shepherd, our king, our guide, teaches us to pray and he teaches us to say, lead us not into temptation. Do not bring us into the time of trial. I know, Lord, that you were tried fully and thoroughly and you came out without sin. I can only go through my trials if I know that you accompany me. Paul would write using this same word for temptations. Paul writes, no testing, no temptation has overcome you that's not common to everyone. God is faithful and will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. With the temptation is the way out. The way out may not be the easiest way. The way out is to cling to Jesus and say, You are my Lord. You are my Savior. Help me. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The better translation is deliver us from the evil one. The evil one goes through many different names in Scripture. The serpent, the dragon, the evil one, the ruler of this world, the accuser, the adversary, the enemy, the father of lies, the prince of the power of the air. The adversary, the enemy, the evil one is the one who wants for you to miss out on what God wants for you. A lot of folks are too sophisticated to believe in the devil. That's not a new thing. Fifty years ago, C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity uh, argued that, that one of the ways that it's clearest to understand our lives is to recognize that there is this competition going on for the human soul. The Screwtape Letters, a remarkable series of correspondence between Screwtape and the mentor. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, the evil one who wants for us the opposite of what God wants for us. In John 10.10, which is one of my favorite contrasts in the Bible, the contrast between what God intends for us and what the destroyer, the enemy of our souls would intend, Jesus says this, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but Jesus has come that we may have abundant life and saying yes to theft, to destruction, and to death is saying no to what God has in store for those who offer themselves to him. And so, 
with this original ending of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There is this recognition that we live in a world where there is a contest going on for the souls of human beings, for society, for the world. But the God who has made us longs for us to hallow his name, longs for us to participate in his kingdom, longs for us to do his will, and the enemy would destroy us and those who are close to us and those who just happen to be in our path. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When you are tempted this week, and you will be, those of us who embrace the Christian life find temptations all around. Remember, remember that God provides a way out. And where God does not provide this, this compulsive obedience, God provides a way out and he provides his grace and he remembers who we are and he remembers that only in Christ are we brought through the time of trial. Only in Christ are we delivered from the evil one. And only in Christ will we find the way and the truth and the life. Will we be set free? And will we embrace the abundant life that God intends for his children? Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.